This is I Like People, episode 11. My name is Maxine, and I like people. Today is Earth Day, Monday, April 22nd, 2019. Back in the era of people, somewhat voluntarily enslaving themselves to artificial intelligence. In our era, artificial intelligence is being developed through the mining and use of special metals, as well as underpaid labor and the fanatical belief of certain driven individuals in salvation through the exploitation of others and the earth. Despite a lack of any plan for reintegration of the materials used to make robots, and the colossal, almost inconceivable amount of water pollution from the creation of each processor, we continue to obsessively build and host our own destruction. We can assume that the unspoken subtext behind this obsession is to create sex robots, and a little bit of military advancement on the side, just so we can mask our perfectly ordinary perversions as a form of insanity. Let's take a moment to think about how much that shame about the right things to be shameful about could actually save our ecosystem. And now, music, and an interview with Aaron.
with any of these questions, feel free to get to try to understand the gist of the question and reframe it or rephrase it if you, if you think you could help me because I, I'm trying to get these seven questions to save humanity down and I'd really like them refined. They're, they're pretty simple though, so and I know it's kind of a tall order trying to save humanity. But in any case, question one is phrased like this so far. What are your preferred gender pronouns and who are you? It's he, him, I think. I've never really answered that question before, so I don't know if that's the correct way to put it. But do you, do you mean to ask me more about who I am or what my name is? I'm trying to get a question that's kind of like, what is your name and is there a story behind your name? Well, my name is Aaron, and I changed the way that my name is spelled when I got married. It used to be A-A-R-O-N ever since I was, well, obviously when I was born, that was what I was named. And then everyone would always ask me how I spelled it. And they would always ask me if it was E-R-I-N, even though they knew that that wasn't the answer. So <laughs> That sounds like a passive-aggressive move. Yeah, it was really annoying, and I got so sick of it. And I took Swedish in college, which a lot of people ask me why, but that's a different story. Anyways, one day the teacher made a point of how she was pronouncing my name. And there was also a female in the class whose name was Erin. And she pronounced our names differently and pointed out that because they're spelled differently, that they should be pronounced differently. And so ever since then, I, I, I just thought about it in a different way. Right. And it makes way more sense because we don't pronounce it properly either the female or male version of Aaron in, I guess, America, or while speaking English. The proper way to pronounce my name originally would have been Aaron, and the female's version would be Erin. But the way that I spell my name right now, after I changed it, is A-E-R-O-N, which actually is phonetically like how people pronounce my name anyways so and then also when i tell people how i spell it they're always like oh that's cool instead of being like annoyed by it it's kind of like <laughs> you know now people think i'm cool because of it <laughs> did, did people do you think the the resistance to a-a-r-o-n comes with a kind of do you think it's a, a cultural xenophobia that you know they don't want to adjust to some new way of pronouncing things nobody ever is used to it i don't know xenophobia um probably i mean the feeling of xenophobia is like probably close to what they're actually experiencing because i know that xenophobia is like a negative thing mm. or it's like oh i guess it's a fear it's a fear of something ah. um so whatever Cause, causes people to ask or intentionally be confused um, is probably like the feeling similar to xenophobia. Whatever it is, I don't even know. It doesn't matter, but they're, they're in some weird place when they ask that, I think. Yeah. 
I don't know. But really, it's like... Uh, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. And it doesn't matter. I don't care. But now I know that I'm empowered. Like, I, I took control of the situation and was able to, like, make it something better, which I'm happy about. Are you... Is there a clicking noise going on over there? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's... I'm sorry about that. Um, I'll try to stop that. Is that okay? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what that was, but it was um, it was getting into the call somehow. All right, I'll I'll try to prevent that from happening. <laughs> Aaron, I love you and I miss you. <laughs> um, I love you too, Max. Let's let's continue. Let's continue with this. Okay, okay. What's the, so is that the end? Well, you've 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 sparked so many other questions. We can move on to the second question if you want. I have oh, a no, I don't care. How do okay. you want to proceed? Well, so what does um, what does the, your name mean to you? Maybe that's really the question I, sh- I should ask people. Maybe what does your name mean to you? And did you is the study of Swedish? Does that have to do with your your ancestry that, that where the name originates? No, I don't really know why I was given that name, other than probably that it starts with an A. Um, and that was, I mean, probably because it was in the Bible, but that doesn't really make sense. I don't really know. I mean, we never went to church and we never like, I was never like told the story of, I don't even know who Aaron is in the Bible. So it doesn't matter to me that it's in the Bible, but all my siblings, siblings have, names that start with a so that's like the most meaningful part of it i think that the way that i've changed the spelling has more meaning now because the letter in itself that a e like as a as a letter i think it's a schwa yeah i feel like that an ash letter has yeah it has some magic like embedded in it that it's just there i don't really know what the magic is but i know that there's something to letters just in general and they have a meaning even though they nobody talks about it or nobody knows what it is there's got to be some something like japanese where the letters have um inherent meaning to them or i guess they're not letters in japanese but they're not i don't think they're just i don't think they're just sounds i think there's more to it and i think that the ae is one of the more powerful letters and that's why it's like hidden it's like a hidden letter that's interesting um i agree that that characters can have that that and maybe it's because you even gave it power by by using it you know you you used your intent to put that letter there so that means you're you're using your power yeah definitely i mean i practice sigil creation and know that that's possible like um in the in terms of knowledge like knowledge so i know i don't just believe i know that that's true it is empowering to not only to be able to create your own name but to just take creative action in any way taking a step back when you create a sigil you put intention into a symbol 
and that already exists i think with that letter and i think it's just even more powerful when that is the name of something the name of you really like giving yourself a name and putting putting meaning and putting power into the name that you have i think i think you're right i probably just reiterated the same thing you said without changing anything or and I have that habit as well. I'm, I don't, but it's fine. It, it also sounds like, yes. And it sounds like your parents even gave you that, um, invitation by, by giving you all a names. There was a, a consciousness there about putting intent into the name. And then you kind of said, now, now it's my turn to put intent into my name. It's kind of cool. I mean, I could have changed my name to anything, but I, I don't want to do that, and I didn't want to do that. I, it was like a what's the word? Um, transmuted the that that like negative interpretation or just like confusion that people had into something positive. Like that same energy that was negative is now positive just because of that one action. That's beautiful. The second question I have in this main list is what does being human mean to you? Being human means that's the way I would start the sentence, but (laughs) it means something for sure. I don't really know that it means anything, but I think it means something. The problem with it is that humanity is so varied and um, it's sort of like to answer it in one way would would probably be ignorant to that variety but you know it's probably say something like it means being good to everything you know it's like some altruistic thing Hmm. there's got to be something inherently positive about it but i don't believe that's true because humanity is not inherently positive it's like there's so many bad people and evil deeds that people do that I don't think that humanity is inherently good. But like I think that there's words or actions, there's like adjectives that can augment humanity or people or the way that people are and make things good. But I don't think that there's inherently like good in people. It's sort of like nature is just it's balanced it's it is the way it is and there's predation and starvation and um suffering like the buddha identified and it's inherently part of the world so humanity being part of the world is just like all of those things are part of humanity as well but there's like ways to augment experience and accept the way things are, that I think those are the positive qualities. Um, I don't think that humans are inherently positive or humanity is inherently positive. I just think that they're natural. Human Humanity is... Being human means being part of nature, and it also means, I guess, empowerment. So you can either... You can, like, determine your own will. You can take action to make things good or make things evil. It's sort of a... a it's like a... A middle ground it just means that you have a lot of opportunity for creativity it's up to you to determine what that looks like 
Wow, great. That's a great answer. Thank you. It was fun to hear you yeah. work it out um, because I think that you you gave us a lot of context for your answer. So that's great. My third great. question is, um, it's it's phrased like a yes or no question, but it's really more a prompt. Have you ever had a metaphysical or paranormal uh, encounter? I don't really know what those words mean. I've heard them hundreds of times, but meta mean like I hear people say meta a lot. Yeah. And it means like it's sort of like a mirror image or like a an echo or something of a thing. Like a thing within a thing or something. It's kind of looking down from somewhere else on the thing. I, I think what I mean to oh, yeah. ask is yeah, it's hard to use the what? word metaphysical without referring to the belief that, hey, let's incorporate something new we 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 don't know how to incorporate into the physical. And same with paranormal. Like, let's include something in the normal that we don't really know how to include in the normal, but it is normal. You know, it, it's a difficult subject. Yeah, that definition of of metaphysical and paranormal is really squishy or like spongy or permeable because if someone, well, it, it really depends on your personal experience. You could have a paranormal experience today that happens, starts happening over and over. And then no, like, it's no longer paranormal because it's your daily experience. The way that I would see it in that light is just like, it happens for the first time and you're like, whoa, that changed my perception of reality. So the first time it happens, it's paranormal because you thought things were a certain way and then your perception was changed of reality because of that occurrence. So yes, I have had those experiences. What changed your perception of reality? Is that a good question? Or is that... Mm. Um, well, I can just explain. I think you want to hear stories about them, right? Yes, yes. So I guess there's two that uh, there's a few so i haven't thought it out ahead of time and good i don't want you to <laughs> hopefully, hopefully i pick the right ones the first one i can think of is learning reiki or experiencing it for the first time tell us about that the first time i experienced reiki was probably 10 years ago i was at home in this big house with all my roommates. We had like eight people living there, a couple cats. And one of them was this really cute black cat with long black hair that was like, not the bristly kind of hair, but the like fluffy kind of hair. Soft and downy kind. Yeah. But those cats, like cats can get fat. This one was young and skinny and active and... Um, excited all the time and you know how kittens are they have this energy and it's usually very physical like you're like running around scratching and like jumping and being in their physical body so anyways i'm just saying that to juxtapose the experience that i had with this cat <laughs> which was like kind of me in this i started out with like this negative 
feeling, whatever it was, I don't even remember what caused it, but I was kind of upset about everything probably or something that made me feel like everything was bad and kind of just was sick of whatever else was going on and like lay down on the couch and then the cat came and I grabbed the cat and I was laying on my side and I got it to lay like well next to my chest so that the cat was like in my arms and I was holding it and it was there like right in front of me and then I just we just like was felt like satisfied and happy because of that experience and that's because I love cats and I feel like that love energy is a thing that really feels good so I was happy and then I got to this point where I was so relaxed that I was no longer like my hands holding the cat were no longer hands holding anything and my chest against the cat was no longer a chest against anything it was just the experience of the warmth I felt that I was holding or that was adjacent to me the warmth of the cat and the connection that that warmth had with me the direct connection that was not separate it was a part of me like the energy of the cat that i was holding cobra his name i don't even think i said that his name was cobra he was so cute but i was holding him and he just he didn't disappear he didn't evaporate those are the words that i want to use but his (laughs) like the physical the physical reality of the boundary of a body was no longer there and all I could feel was the warmth and the connection <laughs> between us if that makes sense it, it does it does it, it also sounds lovely because he's right there in your heart area and the heart is all about giving the body warmth and it just sounds like really um, really special yeah so after that, I kept having similar experiences, and I decided I was also studying the aura at the time, and was like I, I was really infatuated with the graphics of the person with this bubble surrounding their body and drawings of the chakras. And what, at one point, I was like, "What? Wait a second! Uh, there's all these different drawings." all these different versions of the chakras and the aura, which one do I decide to trust? And then I realized that I would it would only be about trust and taking someone's word for it if I decided like one day, okay, this is the correct version without actually ever having direct experience of it. So nice. I decided that it needed to be me experiencing that in order to verify that it even existed regardless of which one was correct. I needed to know that it was in general correct. So I started trying to feel it and touch it and experience it. I just started using my hands to feel the area around my body and try to touch myself without touching myself. And immediately, as soon as I started trying, it happened. Like you can, I could, I was able to feel 
the space between my hand and my chest by just holding my hand in front of my chest and wow. create a new experience inside my head by holding my hand next to my head. It's crazy. It immediately happened. I was able to create an experience without ever touching myself. I could feel my hand next to my body without touching my body. So I knew at that point that the aura does exist. And that led me to some other conclusions about the energy. And synchronistically, I was working with someone who is a Reiki master and teacher. So she taught me that I, everyone has the ability to be a natural transmuter of energy and how to practice Reiki in, in the traditional way. And since then, I've um, developed my own theories about it that vary from the tradition. But um, yeah, so that whole continuum has been, I guess it was made possible by this cat and this profound metaphysical experience I had that changed my perception of reality to allow for something new. Wow. And I think that it is reality. I think that it is the way that reality works. Like the ability that I have to experience this Reiki energy is not, um, it's not something that's, that's magical or um, special to me. I think that's true to the definition of, of metaphysical in that my, my previous understanding and explanation of it, which is that it can only be like one moment where you realize that this is the way reality is. And then after that moment, it changes your perception of reality. And it, I think it would be very uh, egotistical to believe that I'm the only one that can do this. I think that everyone can do this. I think you're right. That's a nice belief of yours. I, I do think that some people are more clairvoyant and more gifted in different areas. Um, so I would say I've met people who, for example, have had clairvoyant experiences all their lives. And yet others that none of that has ever really happened. And they have grown in such a beautiful way that it, it doesn't it doesn't really enter into any sort of necessary part of their life. So there's almost there's people for whom it is important and it does happen. And I think that is definitely something that we should be thankful for. Yeah, I agree i agree but i also think that there are more fertile places on the earth for plants to grow and that um, certain climates are better for certain plants what you're saying is true i mean i i, I completely agree that there are certain people that are, are more likely to have this experience but it's i think it's uh, environmental and, and probably genetic but uh it doesn't those factors which make it more likely for someone to have metaphysical experiences don't limit other people from having them. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah. Like, pick a plant like a palm tree and try to grow it in Minnesota and you'd fail. But it doesn't mean that plants can't grow in Minnesota or that a palm tree can't live in Minnesota inside of a greenhouse. It just means that the factors that make it likely aren't present i hope people will forgive me for suggesting that that you are one of the more mystical people that i know but 
I do think that, and I hope that you can appreciate that you've changed a lot. You've come pretty far in our, in my knowing of you, and experience of of Aaron, <laughs> and <laughs> it's good that you never let it go to your head. But I've always seen you as a source of a kind of a like a gonzo teacher of some kind. Cool. And so anyway, thanks for your thanks for your insights. I like teaching. It, it helps me to understand <laughs> and uh like or better understand the things that I know. And it changes the the reality of the knowledge that I have in a certain way. If you if you have a belief and you convey it to someone and they're like, bullshit, that's not right. Then your belief is like it, it's like in question, and um, <laughs> you have to, you either have to you either have to change the way that you articulate it until the person you're talking to is like, okay, okay, I agree, or you just have to double down in your belief and say, even though this person thinks what I believe is bullshit. Uh, I'm still going to believe it anyways, which is not, I don't think that's like a very comfortable place to be. It puts you on the defensive and it makes you just tense in general. I don't think that tension is healthy uh, in the long term. And so if you can convey your beliefs to someone uh, or the more frequently that you can convey beliefs and have people respond affirmatively and agree the more sound your your whole belief system will be, and um, it's a it's a comfortable place to be when a lot of people agree with you. And I think that there's there's more to belief, or not belief, but speech and communicating um, and agreement and truth. And it's pretty profound. I think that truth is. It's not an experience that anyone can have separate from from other people. I think that truth can only be communicated um, and shared. It's not an individual experience. Even though you can have experiences and know that you had them, the truth of that can only be conveyed to someone and communicated and felt reciprocally, if that's a word. In yeah. reciprocity. I have so many questions for you. The seven is not enough. But my questions are, can you can you go into a little bit more about your explanation about the palm tree? Was that a metaphor for, or a simile for, um, everyone has access to metaphysical experience, but it's like different climates? In other words, like one person may learn metaphysical experience through Reiki and another may learn it through a religion or another may learn it through, you know, an encounter with a, with a, a strange entity. Um, no, not really. I think that if, if your belief system is, is limiting, it might affect what you can experience and it, it can't change things like, like for instance, if you believe, believe that, um, the earth is flat, reality can prove different to you if you were to maybe like fly out in space but with certain things like metaphysical things that are very intangible and non-physical if you have a belief system that 
doesn't allow for that metaphysical uh, experience, then you can't experience it. So I, I believe that people who don't believe in Reiki can't experience it. And though they may benefit from it, if you send it to them, they probably won't, they won't feel it. And, and I think that, well, part of the benefit is feeling it, first of all, because it, it manifests physically as a physical experience and a spiritual experience. It, it can tap into like multiple levels of your being. But, um, no, you shouldn't feel bad. No, now, now I feel like I understand what you're saying in a way. Um, I'm going to try to say it better than I've heard other people say something similar. It's not necessarily just that, well, you have to believe it to make it real, but it's more like certain phenomena in our world is more impacted by belief than it is by physical things. And yet other things are more impacted by physicalness than by belief. Yes. Yeah, so depending on the realm of the experience or the energy, um, or you could say the spectrum of the energy or the level um, or the frequency, if you are very like science-based, for instance, in your belief system and uh, rely um, on physical evidence to prove things exist, then it'll be very hard for, for that person or, or you in this instance to, um, to get something that's non-physical to even have that experience because you're, you're just not looking for it. You're not, you're not feeling that, that type of, of feeling. I got it. So, I got it, man. Yes, yeah. thank you. So it's it that goes back to when I was trying to assert that well, some people have this and some people don't. And then it sounded like almost like your reply was now that I have this insight about your reply, you were kind of saying it's healthy for people to actually tap into it's it's more balanced to tap into both things that are more physical and things that are more influenced by consciousness and belief. It's, it's, it's healthier to have a balance of, or, or understanding mm. of both rather than just one-sided. Mm, yes and no. All levels of reality, um, the spiritual, the emotional, the physical, and the astral or oneness are holistic. They're holistic um, in their own right. And so you can have a complete experience in any one of those however good that was what i was trying to say can, if you can uh tap into your emotions for instance you can do two things you can experience reality holistically through your emotions and then at the same time tap into the physical and experience it physically and the benefit of that is that some people communicate through emotions some people are they're more likely to to um, the stereotype is that women are more emotional and men are more like mental, but that doesn't have to be the way it is. Men can tap into their emotions and feel and empathize with with women just as much as women can activate their their mind and um, communicate and understand um, logically with with reciprocity. The benefit is you have more information to make decisions. It's like the long way to getting around and to that point is like, if you can experience the world only on a physical level, then you are cutting off yourself and your experience from all other levels. 
And you can't use information on any of those other levels to make decisions. So you're, you're ignorant of another complete reality. It's kind of fun and kind of interesting to like realize like this experience I'm having, um, though it may be physical, I can tune into a different level of the experience and feel it like emotionally or energetically like um right that makes sense it does so in conclusion i think you're a good person to ask this uh despite our long long wordy dialogue um what is a way i can phrase the theme of this question into a question that benefits um humanity should qualify the question with like something positive and ask it in a way that is like not only like have you had a metaphysical experience presuming that all metaphysical experiences are positive but oh which they're not no (laughs) how can metaphysics or your understanding of like other worlds or the spiritual realm help people be better can can metaphysics save humanity something like Mm. that i mean not only like what is it or have you ever had that experience but like take it another level like what can we use it for i see interesting 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 what can how about for people who don't have access to um you know people people who are more mainstream science oriented and and they don't is that question even valid for them is it useful should i be able to say what is a belief in metaphysics good for You'd ha- you'd have to, I mean, how can you, you might be able to phrase the question differently depending on someone's belief system, but you'd have to know what their belief system is in order to phrase it the right way. Exactly. So that comes, that brings me back to the question, what is your perception of reality? So that I can get that and then say, hey, <laughs> what is your perception of reality? Are you asking me that? No, no. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I think that we would never stop talking if that was, if that was my question. Yeah, I don't like that question. It's, I don't it's like a, that question. No, it's not a good question. Uh, it's, it's first of all, it's a bit aggressive. <laughs> um, but second of all, yeah, it's just too broad. Um, I'd say, yeah. So maybe something like, uh, can you describe an? A shift in your experience of reality? Um, no, I don't know. This is hard. This is hard, man. Yeah, I think that um, I think that metaphysics has like implications that that the way the way that you just asked the question doesn't, and it it gets to the same. Like, have you ever had an experience that changed your perception of reality? Is also the same question as have you ever had a metaphysical experience? Okay, I'm gonna go with. Uh, have you ever have you ever experienced um, your perception of reality change? Okay. Maybe that'll be the next version of it. I, I'm going to be thinking about this one though. I, I'm going to be thinking about this one in subsequent interviews. But I also took DMT and that changed my perception of reality, and so did mushrooms. Mushrooms made me believe, or at the time, um, know, have knowledge of, not even believed. I knew that there was no death. Past tense? Like now you know there is or or, or it became something well, that you... 
the the experience at the time was so much more visceral and forefront that I can't even compare my present moment experience to that. So it has to be past tense. Like I, I knew it. that I knew it because it was so real and factual. It seemed so real and truthful. But now I don't have that visceral knowledge. I still believe, but then but the truth of it has kind of faded. Mm. I wonder if that's what happens to me when I leave my body. Because I've I've passed out a couple of times and had experiences of being with beings and then coming back to reality and those experiences um like fading away very quickly and not being able to be there again it makes me think like i've just forgotten something that i i can't access anymore yeah that's normal so there are techniques you could learn to retain those memories but they're not easy it's worth the work if you want to retain it, but it's not easy. Thank you. That's really helpful. And um, unless there's anything more to say on the on your uh, your drug experiences, which actually are probably the most interesting thing to some people, um, we could move on. Um, I guess yeah, I can talk a little bit more about that. When I took DMT, it was pretty profound it was probably the most profound experience i've had and although i don't believe it was metaphysical i don't know what how i would characterize it um it was the most profound experience i've ever had Mm. i don't think i can i mean obviously i can't render it completely but i can try um so I, i left my body and the experience was essentially me traveling to the end of the universe, like the edge of the universe, and like really viscerally feeling the distance that I had traveled and feeling so far. Oh my gosh, I'm struggling to remember now. I know that that was a major part of it. It, I just felt, what was, what was it like? <laughs> Do you recall? Oh, maybe, maybe if I ask a question, it'll help. I'm not sure, but do you recall yeah. ask, asking yourself if if the the edge was the end of existence, or if it were merely the end the the end of the universe? Well, it felt like I guess more so than feeling like the edge. It felt like I was experiencing everything like somehow my consciousness was able to encompass much much more than just my physical body i think that was the the main point was just feeling so vast and so far from where i had come and damn it i'm frustrated that i can't remember the details do you think it's possible to use some of those techniques to retain memories um can be used to recall your memory probably i'm not in the right mindset to remember all the details right now it's it was a memory that i had for a while like for and this happened over four years ago now so it's not that surprising i don't remember everything but 
Yeah. There's ways you can remember things more vividly and more clearly and for longer. I just haven't utilized them in this instance. And it's kind of um, taboo, so I don't talk about it much. But um, I understand. So coming back from that experience was almost as profound as having the experience because I had the most bizarre sense of synchronicity because knowing that I had traveled like an infinite distance and experienced infinite possibilities, the fact that I came back to the exact same place that I left from felt so bizarre because it could have been, I could have been anywhere, anywhere else <laughs> in reality, but I just happened to come back to the exact same place that I left from spontaneously, <laughs> like coming back to right where I left with nothing having happened in that reality. No time passed. It was bizarre. It was the most bizarre thing. And how did And that... also I was looking at a fire. This is like a side note. I was looking at a fire and it looked like fire has never looked. And I've taken mushrooms before and I know that nature just seems more vibrant. But mm. this experience of nature was not like any other I didn't see any patterns that were fractal. It was like a circuitry or something very, very different than the visuals you'd see when taking mushrooms. Did you feel as though it was a simulation? And I really don't like that, that word. And I don't even like the question I just asked, but is it? No, no, I didn't know. It didn't have, I didn't have that level of, analysis it was more like uh an aesthetic appreciation for how different it looked and you know you see things sometimes somebody will wear a shirt that's a color you don't normally see and you're like oh that's different this was like the most different because <laughs> fire is so primal yeah. it was like the most off the wall version of anything you'd ever seen <laughs> Wow. How did it how did it change your perception? Um, because I know that those experiences are possible. We're not limited by our physical body in any way other than temporarily possibly or related to our narratives in some ways, our belief systems, but that true experience is boundless and holistic and infinite hmm. I don't know that seems like lofty I, I don't know I want to say it in a more impactful way but I can't but I know that that happened thanks for thanks for letting me try to bring that out of you because that's that's pretty much what I'm that's stuff that I'm very I think this kind of thing will will be beneficial for people to hear so thank you yeah the fourth question I have is, how can we be truly ethical human beings? I think that's a trick question because we set the rules. Ethics are 
beliefs. I think we can't truly be ethical when we have beliefs that limit us from experiencing empathy. Well, hey, right there. So that sounds kind of like a almost an ethical position, even if it's circuitous. In order to be ethical, we have to have a sense of ethics. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So let me try. Let me try to answer that question because it sounds like a challenge. We can be ethical only when we know that we're being ethical. We can't be ethical simply by following rules. We have to know that what we're doing is ethical and i kind of think that the word has limits mm -hmm. so when it comes to ethics it's it's not something that normal people I'm ethics are ethical. things that smart people and scholars and really old people and dead people create <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'm gonna revert the question but i'm gonna I, revert I think... the question because what, what I had before was, it wasn't tricky. It was pretty much just, how can we treat Earth with the respect it deserves? How can we honor the sacredness of the Earth? What is the best way to treat the Earth? It, it was focused on Mother Nature. And uh, we, should be, we should be empathetic, and not only towards other people, but towards all of reality, and towards all of nature. And I guess change our belief system to allow for every single physical thing to have an experience um, on some degree or on some level and being able to like allowing oneself to empathize with nature or a tree or any level of experience i think would solve that problem Thank you. Thank you. I'm going back and forth on, is this, an, is this ethics? This is ethics. Is this ethics? This is ethics. You know, like wagging my finger at people about it. But it, it really is for me a crucial question. Like, how, how if we're not, not going to take care of the thing that we are on, that, that gave us life, in this version of life, you know, how, how, how can we expect to continue? So, I, I don't know. Gosh. I also, I think there's this uh, theory, I was so into it for a while, and I've forgotten the author and the name of the theory, but conceptually it was that, or it had actually it had examples in reality where you, you can look at an organ and cells in an organ and see the formation of the organ when the cell when the cells reach a certain population. So before they reach that certain population density, they are all single separate cells. But once they reach a certain population density or this certain specific density, they cease to operate as individuals and start operating as a collective and holistically um, with a hive mind or a, a one mind. And the theory was that humanity once it reaches a certain population might have a similar experience of holism and start to be governed by a more holistic mind 
or a Gaia mind rather than uh, individual versions of self. I love it, man. If that makes sense. I, let's just do it. This is going to be our shotgun answer to that question. One pellet will just say, breed. We just need more of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess five. there's a risk involved. <laughs> there is a risk, but, you know, hey, maybe that's the answer after all. All this worry about, you know, the Club of Rome saying we got to cut out, you know, a certain number of the population or whatever it is. Maybe they're maybe they're wrong. Or they want to be the ones uh, at the top of the pyramid, but if if you have too many people, like they're gonna they're gonna like reach the same height. Oh, and anyways, um, I think that there's other thoughts that I have related to that now that I now that I remember. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we can go down that path or not. Uh, let's 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 go there. Let's go there. So we're still on the okay so individuals individuals uh, are holistic beings and we have an energy body that is a holistic energy body so normally is not natural normally we require uh fulfillment from others we, normally we rely on satisfaction and fulfillment from the outside world but Another possibility exists, which is that you can create your own fulfillment. And that's the true nature of a holistic being is being able to, is the ability to, is, is taking responsibility for and realizing you have the power to, gosh. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're almost there. I'm hearing it. Realizing that you have the power to create your own fulfillment and then doing that. So creating your own fulfillment means expressing to the same level that you experience. It means that you are creative and then you experience that creativity. So that's how people need to start in this world. They need to be able to create a circuit from their positive energy to their receptive energy. And that circuit needs to be intact. But normally people's circuits get broken and they feed into or suck energy from other people and um, yeah narciss narcissistic um, is, behavior yeah this leads to um codependency on a mass scale because people just do it to each other and not only that but the government does it to you and the structures of our society do it to you so you haven't it's really really hard to break out of that and be holistic and create your own fulfillment because there's always something like sucking in the energy from you. So you can tap. So that's what's that's what's cool about Reiki is you can tap into an abundant source of infinite energy and channel it and refill your lack, even if you don't create that um, energy yourself. But anyways, I love it. That no, getting that's... getting back to the holistic self, if you can group together holistic beings, creating your own fulfillment, then there's this matrix that can be created where when they're creating their own holistic fulfillment and they can create more than they can separately. You, like you can connect with other people who are being holistic and have much, much more satisfaction than you can ever create by trying to satisfy yourself. You can be 
in a state of equanimity and you can tap into abundance from God or the source of everything. But I think there's something unique and different that happens when uh, holistic individuals, humans can connect, share their power. I think that's the most transformative and that's what's necessary. Thank you. I, I I think I hear you saying that independent is important we can't lose that but it's about empowering the self but then also um the interdependence is super important and and that needs to be empowered too well so in a way um it 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 sounds to me like increasing the health of the of the spiritual being starts lending itself towards that goal that we might have assumed will come about just from a a gain in population but maybe um it's more like we need to populate the already existing humans here uh, with, uh, um, as you say, that like that that strong circuit connection, um, so that each individual is not uh, acting like a parasite. I just ruined what you said. Mm-hmm. I'm going to erase that. Well, you're trying to think through it, and that's that's um, a fine to do so you didn't ruin it you're just trying to rearticulate it which is important in understanding thanks man um i appreciate that uh the way you um were saying stuff now let's move on to the <laughs> the the fifth question uh, what does community mean to you and this is not really uh, um i think i just answered that yeah community is a, a group of people sharing a reality and Uh, It can be unholistic where individuals suck energy from each other, or it can be holistic where um, everybody is creative and providing their whole self. My, I feel like my understanding of it is, is, is more idealized than um, my experience of it. I think community is important and um, I have ideals, but, I don't know if I've really experienced it. So I, I feel like that's like a problem. <laughs> I need to have more uh, holistic community experiences. I also have like distaste for certain types of community and certain communal experiences. And mm-hmm. I think that there's sort of a, like I'm getting off track a little bit. Um, <laughs> All right. Let's just say you answered the question. Sounds good. I wish that I had um, more experience of uh, positive communal like events, but uh, I haven't. So most of my uh, answer is just idealized. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good answer. Yeah, we're not really sure what community is. Might not. Might not mean anything. That's real. Yeah. Playing community is playing Mario Kart with other people. <laughs> Perfect. Or, it's having four controllers for your GameCube and, ev- and everyone being used. <laughs> All right. I love it. The sixth question is, what projects or collaborations are you presently most excited about? I'm working on a fermentation jar, a project that I want to grow into business. I'm currently working on a prototype and... The hope is to test it and validate the design so that I can mass produce it and make it widely available to 
many people. That is very exciting. Can you describe a little bit more about what this product is? It's a glass jar that's used for the production of sauerkraut or kimchi or pickles, um, hot sauce. They're all probiotic. So it's a people a while back, like a year or two ago, people were saying that rediscovering this new flavor umami is like the the sixth flavor or something maybe mm. it's the fifth i don't know it was always there people just were like talking about flavor in terms of salty sour and sweet but umami is like this other one right. so it's not spicy it's fermentation right fermentation is it's like that but it's for processing food it's a, in terms of processing it's the hidden form of food processing where normally we cook on a stove with heat or we freeze things or um, like we steam them or we fry them or we put them in the oven this one fermentation is like a process where you can prepare food with fermentation but um, it's completely different than all the other ones and it's probably the oldest form of food processing. Not only that, but it's really healthy for you because it's got probiotics, it's got bacteria on it that are good for you. Well, I, 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 that sounds so cool. Thank you. The last yeah. question is, oh, you might have answered this already a number of times. Maybe this isn't the right question, but I happen to be partial to this question. It's how can we all realize more human happiness together? I think that the first thing, the first step would be realizing that you don't need other people to be happy. Not only can you be satisfied and at peace with yourself, but you can create your own fulfillment. And I think that's essential in sharing happiness with other people because you're not there to create someone else's happiness. You're there to share happiness. Ah, um, beautiful. You're there, beautiful. To, you're there to resonate with other people who are currently happy. You're having fun together. You're not creating fun for other people. You're not entertaining them, but you're empathizing with joy. Excellent. That concludes our, our seven questions to save humanity. So the song you want to talk about is Koyana Skatsi by Philip Glass. Yes. Yes. And this was uh, from the soundtrack released in 1982, and it reminds me of one of my favorite movies, Anima Mundi, which was also Philip Glass doing the sound. And I just love the combination of pure wildlife, and it's not all about, like, nature shows just do a lot of sex and death which is of course compelling but this was more about just life and all its variety and beauty and 
very, very inspiring. And Philip Glass manages to, um, even though his stuff sounds very digital, I think he, he manages to use those tools, those digital tools, to convey something that's more universal than you would expect, in a way. Yeah, he always seems to do that. I would give any movie he made a soundtrack to a chance, because I like his music so much. <laughs> um, did you ever see The Hours? I did. I like that movie. It, it's not one of my favorites, but I definitely think it was made better by the soundtrack that Philip Glass made. I haven't seen it, but you I haven't? love the soundtrack. I, 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 lo- I have and I love the soundtrack, but I haven't seen the movie itself, and I'm kind of thinking, I don't know if I want to see the movie, because I just love his com- compositions so much. I mean, you should see the movie if you're interested in the storyline, but not just because of the soundtrack, which goes okay. against what I just said. <laughs> but I liked it. Um, I would probably watch a dozen other movies before I watch that one again. If not more. <laughs> Didn't you used to work at a video rental place and you 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 probably seen more movies than any human alive, I know. No, I mean I've seen a lot, but I stopped watching as many as I used to. I for a while, for a few years I watched them all the time. Like multiple movies in a row, multiple days a week. What brought your attention but, to Koyanaskati? I've seen a few of those movies. I liked the movie, although it wasn't my favorite of the that type of film. I do now, after the fact, really appreciate the concept and the title track of the soundtrack and of the movie is, I don't know, I just feel like really resonant with it and it seems seems fitting because I was born in 1982 and the movie is about man's interactions with not even like relationship with but reliance on and connection to technology and how it's something that we are immersed in in contrast to to how it used to be which is life being immersed in in and amongst life and nature. Um, Now we live in a world where we're surrounded by our own creation and technology. So it's really something I think about not very often because I'm not that like interested in the intellectual analysis of it. I know that it's, it's, uh, it's, it causes pain. I think it causes pain, but also allows for a lot of, opportunity so there's much duality that have like that's created because of the technology we have so i i feel like the song doesn't really connect with my um my thoughts about technology which i appreciate i don't really like to do that mental analysis or or you know, just like thinking analytically about this question but music about it is really what I like and this music in particular I think tells the truth and I think that's something that I always appreciate when something can communicate to me um, a truth that's so profound and deep that I go back to it over and over and 
empathize with it. I think that Philip Glass was able to communicate something really deep with the music. And at first, when I first listened to it, I was kind of annoyed, not because the song is repetitive, because a lot of his music is, but because there's this line that they repeat over and over and over. And it's just the name of the movie, Cleo Nascazzi. And the way that they sing it is kind of dull, monotone, and it's kind of annoying. But <laughs> not like after thinking about like what the movie means and how it makes me feel and how it represents the world we live in, it, I feel like it's very um, appropriate. I feel like the way that they say it and the the word itself is very appropriate and what it means the title of the film i can't remember which language it's from but it's a native american language that they took the word from and it means life out of balance and i think that the way that the music <laughs> makes me feel is is how i feel when i have been listening to the news like on a daily basis like it's just drones on and on and it sounds like compelling and it sounds interesting and engrossing and it sounds like something could happen preeminent or something or yeah suggestive like there's a conclusion uh, right around the corner but but perpetually the, like perpetually like, right around the corner yes that's exactly it like you just keep hearing it and there's like every day it's like oh another compelling moment that leads to something we are anticipating and then the next day is <laughs> oh another compelling moment that's leading to something that's we're anticipating and it's just this constant oh my god that's interesting but what's going to happen next and i feel like that's yeah. exactly the way that the mate the music makes me feel when i listen to it and that's why i really appreciate it at this moment in my life and like rather than waiting for or expecting um like that headline to show up in the newspaper or like on phones news feed like i could just listen to the music and know that like it's it's not going to come it's just the way it is is just the way it is and this is the way it is that's what the movie is about and i think that the song really connects to that also his melodies are just amazing i really think that he pick some very simple stuff to to um, emphasize and I think that the melody that is like the bass melody and the higher melody and then the way that the lyrics come in it's just re repeated over and over and um, for some reason like just like how I was saying like you know the news repeats and it's like something's gonna happen something's gonna happen like the way the music repeats makes it tells a different story and it it turns into something else by repeating itself and it's really interesting when that happens like a pattern growing and repeating and getting longer and longer and longer actually isn't just that one section of the pattern that that's repeated it's it's more by being a pattern it's more by being repeated and i appreciate that
Yeah, wow. That's that's the opening track. What do you think about it? Well, I didn't realize that my friends were adapting this song so uh, accurately. They're in a band called Figar, and they do video game music, and they recompose or they rearrange it in largely keytars and um, synth and that sort of thing and digital drums and it sounds really amazing um, and they played this part including that and they and I thought they weren't very good <laughs> but but they're actually copying the song really well and it was confusing because the rest of their songs are so good um, and then this part came on and I thought, why does it sound so hesitant? So like, they're not really sure of themselves, but that, that is actually how the song is. It is this kind of, as you were saying, like this hesitant, um, perpetually waiting or perpetually expecting. And, uh, yeah, I suppose with the visuals, it would be a complete... It would feel like a very powerful sensory um, uh, experience. But just by itself, um, it, it still, it's still quite evocative of this strange merging of the voice. Um, the Koyano the Scotsi is almost uh, the voice of technology. And the I, I hear the the keys as a sort of anthem for humanity, kind of trying to get something from it, and it's it seems forever out of reach. Um, it's it's very interesting, yeah, that way. Yeah, I appreciate that analysis, um, but also like listening to the whole soundtrack, which I recommend everyone does gives gives a complete picture like you were saying and it, it's a very interesting journey um the movie is amazing um i would not watch it unless it's a uh, good quality recording because the imagery is spectacular i guess and you know you can't represent it well as well as it should be um like a youtube version right although yeah, so... i guess you can do the paid version and get it um High definition. Do you? We should probably just cut that part out. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, we should encourage people to uh, support the artists for sure, because we are using the music in order to review it. Um, but really, the purpose of review and critique is to encourage people to go experience it for themselves. Now, is there anything else about? Um, this genre in particular that you find interesting or is it is it soundtrack music that you feel transports you back to the movie in some way or is it something else i think that they are designed to evoke emotion not that other music doesn't but i think that's particularly what soundtrack music is intended to do and i like having that experience when I'm um, when I'm listening to music. I, it's also good 
for like multitasking. So a lot of times what I'll listen to is soundtrack just because I'm doing something else and I don't want to be distracted. So you can have like a layered experience to your life when you're listening to a soundtrack and um, it's easier to split your attention that way. But yeah, I, I guess I listen to every music genre and musician I choose because of the aesthetic they convey. And I think that aesthetic is tied together with emotion very tightly. I I see them as almost like a visual vocabulary. And I guess in a sense, I do like to tie back to the source or whatever that soundtrack is from. Not necessarily actively all the time. There's another really good soundtrack I, I love from a video game. Actually, a lot of the soundtracks I listen to are from video games. And I, I really love the aesthetic of older video game music from like 16-bit generation like chrono trigger uh, super nintendo era or yeah super nintendo i haven't listened to chrono trigger but i, I mean i like really conventional like mainstream stuff like sonic and well figar covers the ducktales soundtrack and they're um <laughs> you know that that's actually known for having like really excellent music particularly uh, a moon level <laughs> i guess is known for having a catchy theme Cool. Oh, and F-Zero. F-Zero is awesome. What I learned from them is that Michael Jackson and some others are sometimes commissioned and they get these video game soundtracks from professional musicians. And unfortunately, sometimes they will just get not, they just won't get credited. Um, or they'll rip a they'll rip a pop song. You know, the Japanese studio will rip a pop song into that 16-bit, and so it's interesting that your interest in Koyaanisqatsi almost crosses over with uh, Figar and their interest in video game soundtracks. I believe there was one that was discovered recently where an ice cap level from Sonic Three is the same as an Arizona band's pop song that they wrote back in the day and so Figar performed a hybrid of the two songs <laughs> that's cool I, I I heard about Michael Jackson being involved with Sonic 2 and I don't know how real that is but it's I interesting believe it is real. nonetheless yeah well yeah I mean I, 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 I tend to believe it just because I think that even big artists need just day-to-day money now and then and maybe you know they could do it really quick and it would be good it would sound good exciting make you want to play make you want to if not dance then you know push your character through the level or whatever Um, but i the other thing about these soundtracks to me that's so interesting is i often find myself thinking the music is the ultimate you know where i think the video game creators are creating a game for people to or the movie director is creating a movie for people to really have that visual experience um the audio visual experience be the ultimate but for me i don't know why but my mind just puts music in like this hierarchy as like the the truest art form so the visuals are always to me just a like an index of what the the audio 
truth is telling. And, and so I end up listening to soundtrack from like Descent 2, the 90s video game, or a bunch of random anime openings that I haven't, I've never even seen these shows, but, but the, but the, but the opening theme songs are so visceral and interesting. And I just feel like I'm accessing like the highest emotional truth by, by listening to these rather than having them be background for a visual. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, a lot of times theme songs are like a distilled version of the show where it's like recapping the whole concept so that you don't have to know what happened last episode. Yeah, I don't know. that's true. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think there's probably some truth to what you're saying about the hierarchy because in human history, I'm sure that music came before anything visual. The sounds mm. we created were probably the first form of art, if not dancing. I, I can't say for sure if it was dancing or music. It, it could have been both or it could have been either. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose mean, I, it I would, could have been I both also, because... Uh, you could argue also that like dancing is just a visual form of music. Exactly. I mean, what, you have to make an action in order to create music, you know. So the motion of the arm or the 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 expression of the face or whatever it is that's going on, that motion is, is tied to the music creation, um, the rhythm and the melody. The medium also is limited in the same way as it's they're both limited by time and space and in in slightly different ways probably more like different frequencies something like that i don't know wow yeah that's actually a fascinating point i've got one question left for you even though you've answered the seven questions and it's part of an experiment i'm trying in this show where a previous guest asks the next guest a question they don't know who that guest is would you like to answer that question and then ask the next guest a question? I mean, are you willing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't know if I'll I, enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. I'll I'm not asking. <laughs> Austin asks you, how would you approach making the change that you want to see in the world? I think I would have to. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, that's a big question. And it's sort of seems like it's really general because there's only it's a singular like the fact that there's only a change let's use change as a fluid so <laughs> uh the change is like the water so it's as much changes as you want i don't know i don't know <laughs> that's a fair answer i mean i mean you can say i could just say like be the change that i want to see in the world and I don't think that's enough because there's more powerful forces out there that are going against me. And I've seen in the world, there's billion, I don't even know how many people are there. There's too many people for me to influence everybody. There's too many people for me to influence like even 1% of them. It's too, it's too vast. Um, I don't think <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> that's a good one. Would you want to ask a question for the next guest? Yeah, I have it. I have it here. What is your favorite aesthetic genre 
and why from any form of art. Ah, nice. All right, I will use that. That's not really going to save the world, but it might get an interesting answer. Well, that's just it. I mean, the I, I believe the implication is that we we maybe can only save the world by accident. Nothing deliberate humankind has done uh, seems to be like an effective tool. But maybe just putting uh, good intention or, or something along those lines is enough. Uh, anyway, thank you, Aaron. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for talking to me. Um, it was fun answering the questions and trying to figure out what I thought and what, <laughs> what even the questions were. Yeah, it was really fun for me to hear you, your takes on the questions. I guess we'll finish with... I'll, I'll play a song from from Figar the Band. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Bye. Yeah, bye. Convention Center is a weekend celebration of video games and pinball. If you are in the Phoenix area and you like video game music, you'll love the mini-bosses playing at 6.30pm, followed by my friends Figar at 8. You can learn about Zapcon 2019 at zapcon.com and Figar the Band at www.figar.rocks. Here's a sample of some of their early material, a cover of Rainbow Road from the Phoenix Synth Meet last year. Enjoy the retro mood. Mm-hmm. 